Kath said, my name is Lois and it's so wonderful um, to be with you all this morning. See all your lovely faces. I've just seen one of my buddies from my formation group at college, Stephen. So nice to see you. Hey there. Hey there, Stephen. Um, but yeah, let's, let's crack on. So um, we are continuing on in our series called Encounters um, with Grace. Um, for anyone who hasn't been around, basically we've just been looking at Jesus's interactions um, with different people. Um, and what we've been seeing in these interactions is Jesus really telling people about themselves, telling them about who they truly are. Um, and this week is no exception. We are going to be looking um, at the theme of what does it mean for us to be empowered as the followers of Jesus. And I have to be honest, when I first looked at the rotor and saw my name um, next to Empowered on the, on the rotor, I was slightly like not sure how I felt about speaking um, about us being empowered. And I think that's because for me personally, the whole um, idea, the whole thing of being powerful um, leaves me slightly uncomfortable. Um, and I think I've always had like a slight discomfort for what, what it means to, to be um, for just like the whole thing of power. And I was chatting to um, my friend Emma Henderson um, about the preach, um, and I was struck by the fact that she actually has like a very different view of power, um, like um, really, really positive idea of power. She's an actor, and she was talking about the fact how um, they teach them what it what it means, how to like hold power and use it in a really positive way. Um, so yeah, I was struck by the fact that maybe even in this room, as I say the word empowered, lots of different connotations, lots of different thoughts in the room. And um, anyone who knows me well will know that I'm a massive fan of reality TV. And um, one of my favorites is The Apprentice. And um, just for anyone who hasn't watched the show before, it's basically this thing um, where you have a group of hopefuls who are all competing to be Lord Sugar's apprentice. And um, they go on this series of challenges, and without fail, each week, they have to pick a project manager who's going to hopefully lead them to victory in their task. Um, and you see lots of different approaches to holding power in The Apprentice. Um, and what struck me last time when I was watching it was there were two different people there was this one guy who was, he was really brilliant, had great ideas, um, but every time he was given the opportunity to be project manager, he just kind of gave his authority away. So, for example, he would be like, okay, we're going to do this. And then someone would be like, what about this? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, interesting. Let's do that. And then someone else in the room would be like, what about this? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, interesting. Let's do that. And it's like he couldn't really hold on to his power. But conversely, there was another woman who actually ended up winning. Um, and she just, she just held that power like a boss. She ran everything like a military operation. She just seemed to really love holding power. So there are kind of different approaches that we can take to power. But what we're going to be looking at today is this interaction. It's quite brief with Jesus and his disciples. And this is, I think, going to give us a real insight into what it means for us to hold power as Jesus's disciples. So my encouragement to you is to almost lay down maybe some of your preconceptions, whether there is a positive or negative. But let's just have a listen to what the Spirit is saying to us about what it means for us to be as powered, empowered as Jesus's disciples. Does that sound good okay lovely so um just a framing thought before we get into the passage um there's going to be a term that I'm going to refer to quite a bit um as I speak which is the kingdom of God um and it's a phrase that we see a lot in the gospels and actually as Jesus kind of launches his um, ministry in Matthew 4 verse 17 he starts his ministry by saying the kingdom of heaven is near 
And so just um, if, if you're not kind of familiar with that terminology, basically what this means is like there is a reality in which God reigns and God rules and everything that d- happens is in accordance with God's will. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we, we know the lines. Um, what's the line again? Um, your kingdom come. There we go. <laughs> Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So basically, we're acknowledging that there is a reality in heaven. God's will, God's rule, God's reign happens completely. And everything is done in accordance with God's will. And so when we're praying that, we're saying, God, will it be here on earth as it is in heaven? So Jesus, um, as he kind of launches onto the scene at the beginning of his ministry, is saying, I am the king of this kingdom, and the kingdom of heaven is invading earth in a brand new and tangible way with my arrival. And um, I don't know if you've ever, um, if you're kind of familiar with the army. Um, I wasn't until I did um, an army chaplaincy little placement last, uh, it was last September. And what really struck me about the army, I was just like totally oblivious. Um, but before I got there, they got, gave me all these rules um, and all, the, all this information about everything that needed to be done when I was there. So literally down to what I would wear, like the protocol at dinner, how I was going to get onto site, all these different things. And it really struck me that obviously I was, I was still on earth, but it was like a completely different universe. Genuinely, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like a totally different world. And it's almost like, maybe it's helpful for you, maybe not, but almost like thinking of that in terms of the kingdom of heaven. It's like this invasion of a completely different set of rules where Jesus is completely king um, and all things happen in accordance with God's will. So I'd love you to hold that kind of thought in your head as we jump in. So we're going to read this passage. It's going to come up on the screen, um, but you can feel free to turn to it if you've got a Bible. Um, We're reading from Matthew 10, verse 1 to 8. So it says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot and Jesus Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, now freely give. So we're just going to be thinking, there's going to be three points, three things that we're going to pull out from this passage um, that, we lo- that we can learn about what it means to be empowered as Jesus' disciples. So the first thing that I wanted to draw out is the fact that in verse 1, what we read is Jesus calls his disciples and he gives them authority. So Jesus is essentially giving them the authority that he has. So back to our framing thought around the kingdom of heaven, what we're seeing is the king of this kingdom giving his authority to his disciples. 
And what we learn here is actually, it's this restoration of identity, because actually this is who they've always been meant to be. They have always meant to be those who are meant to share in the authority of the king. And what I mean by that is, um, in scripture we see from day one, from page one, we read about God creating the earth. And God creates humanity with this unique task, with this special role in creation. And what we read is that humanity, you and me, were created in the image of God with the purpose that we would rule over creation. But the distinctive thing is that that ruling doesn't come with our own agenda. We're not meant to rule over creation with our own agenda, but as carriers of the image of God. So essentially, we're meant to be the representatives of God on earth. So that's always been the plan. But for those of you who know the story will know that the fall happens um, and that the perfect relationship between God and humanity is broken. And that means for our purposes of today, of thinking about what it means to be empowered, humanity loses the ability to kind of freely exercise what it means to be the um, image bearer of God um, in, and live in a way that God would call us to live. And that leads to all of the chaos that we kind of read about in the scripture. But praise be to God, he doesn't leave us in that situation. And we read about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so in Jesus coming, he restores us into right relationship with God and also restores our ability to be able to exercise the authority that God has given us and to be those that bring the creativity and freedom, the life of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So for us in our daily lives, our kind of foundation point is that to be empowered is actually part of our identity. It's part of who God has always called us to be. And so just as in that moment, the disciples, they were physically present with Jesus and he gave them authority. We, those of us here who know Jesus, who love Jesus, he invites us by the power of his spirit to be empowered, to be those who rule on earth um, as his image bearers. So that's point number one. So then um, point number two is that they are empowered with this very specific purpose. And they're called to do exactly the things that Jesus was doing. So we read in verse one, it says, to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. And then in verse eight, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you've received, now freely give. So this authority actually comes with very specific instructions and is attached to very specific kingdom activity. And so the way I picture it, it's almost like we're reading in this passage of Jesus passing on the baton to the disciples. Because not only are they called to be who they've always been called to be, but Jesus is asking them to do the things that Jesus did. And at the back end um, of the passage just before, at chapter 9, we read that Jesus goes out, he's telling the gospel, he's healing the sick, and then what we read, um, it says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so it's a little bit of, I wouldn't say a problem, but a bit of a conundrum in that we have Jesus, who's this one person and who we know in the story is going to die. 
But what's the point of Jesus coming with this proclamation that the kingdom of heaven is here, only for that story to end with him? And then we have the other part of the problem. We have this crowd who are helpless without a shepherd um, and these very few workers. And then in our chapter, chapter 10, it's almost like the solution is presented and we get a little inkling as to how this story is going to continue. It's Jesus giving them his power to do all the things that he did, to actually do the work of the kingdom, to carry out the signs that the kingdom of heaven is present and to be those that set people free from the death and the darkness and disease that is so incompatible with the kingdom of God. So it's just not being who they've been called to be. It's doing the things um, that Jesus did. And that's available for every single one of us in this room. We get to share in this life that Jesus gives. So not only are we just part of the family, but we actually get to do the family business. And I think that's one of the unique things about what it means to be empowered um, and what we see in this passage. Because it isn't for ourselves. It's for the sake of the people Um, out there it's for the sake of those people who don't know Jesus Jesus looks out on this crowd and he feels compassion and he sees our world and he looks on it with love but he isn't here in physical form in flesh and blood but we are and we get to be the carriers of his kingdom because he's given us the authority to do the work of his kingdom and um, I don't know if anyone's, anyone's seen the film Miss Congeniality, Hands in the Air. No shame in that. Oh, well, I was going to explain the storyline, but I really don't need to. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's this woman who's an FBI agent, and she goes undercover um, to essentially save the life of all the people um, at the Miss United States uh, pageant. It's a, it's a great film. Um, But tenuous link, but go with me, okay? So um, she's there with the authority of the FBI. um, And so she's on this agenda, but it's not her agenda. It's the agenda of the FBI. And she's got the authority that goes with that to bring life to other people. And um, that's something of the picture, I think, tenuous, I told you, but um, it's something of the picture. I think we in our everyday lives are almost like these undercover agents of the kingdom. As we go about our business, we get to carry the authority and power of Jesus and, and bring, be bringers of life, be bringers of hope, be bringers of the love of God to those people that we meet. And it's not just for some of us. This is for absolutely every one of us. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking um, about my mum. And uh, she was, um, to the untrained eye, just a normal woman about her business. Um, And she was a nurse and spent a lot of her time working in nursing homes. And she once told me this story about um, a woman that she knew at work who um, I don't think knew that many other Christians. Um, And she told her about the fact that her son, who lived in her house, um, was basically not able to sleep Um, because he kind of felt, I guess, I don't know how he would have described it, but some kind of oppression, maybe something a bit spiritual that was going on in his bedroom. Um, And this woman told this um, story to my mum, and my mum offered to go to the house and pray over the house. Um, And um, she just kind of invited the presence of Jesus into the place um, and asked, you know, whatever was there um, to leave in Jesus' name. Um, And it was amazing that um, it it went, whatever it was. I actually don't know what it was, but it went. Um, And it provided an opportunity for my mum to invite this woman to Alpha. 
And, and I'd love to say that the end of the story is Wendy became a Christian. And actually, I don't know what happened to Wendy. But the, the bottom line is my mum took that opportunity to share the life of the kingdom with this woman in this very tangible way. And that's actually available to all of us. Wherever we are, we encounter people who don't know Jesus, who don't know what the life of the kingdom is. Um, but we get to go undercover in our daily lives and bring that to them in their everyday. So... We're empowered and we get to be all that God initially wanted us to be. We get to do the things of the kingdom. And then thirdly, because we're empowered, it means that we get to participate. So as we look at the passage, a quite a, a sizable chunk of it is going through the list of names of these disciples that Jesus gives authority to. And I think it's easy for us kind of with, um, you know, looking with our eyes today, just to look at that list and think that's the disciples. Obviously, it's the A-team. They've obviously got it all together. But I think if we take a closer look, something else is probably going on here. So we've got Peter, who we know actually ends up denying Jesus. We've got James and John, um, who Jesus referred to as the sons of thunder because they had such crazy tempers. We've got um, the tax collector, and that job was basically um, it, like a modern-day equivalent. He would have been seen as a traitor because he was like almost sleeping with the enemy in terms of his role. He would have been hated by everyone around him. We've got a zealot, um, which is kind of today we'd maybe consider someone who's like a terrorist. And then really awkwardly, we've got Judas Iscariot at the end of that list, the one who actually betrays Jesus. And we could look at that list and think, why on earth would Jesus empower that group of people with his authority? And you might be looking around the room and thinking, why on earth would God empower this group of people with his authority? Or maybe to make it more personally, you might be almost like metaphorically looking in the mirror and thinking, why on earth would Jesus empower me with that kind of authority? And I think um, one of the things that maybe makes all of this stuff feel quite overwhelming and maybe can feel like we can feel a bit of a disconnect with the idea of being empowered is because it's so easy for us to think about all the reasons that we shouldn't be empowered. It's so easy for us to think, actually, this doesn't apply to me. This can apply to the disciples. It can apply to your mum, Lois, but actually, this doesn't apply to me. And I wonder whether it's because we spend a lot of our time focusing on ourselves. Let's be honest. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But we can be quite obsessed, self-obsessed, can't we? And we can be thinking about all the things that we're bringing to the mix. And we can be thinking about maybe all the things that we're not bringing to the mix. And we don't spend enough time thinking about actually who is the one who's empowering us. And I love all the songs we've been singing today, this morning, um, singing all hail King Jesus. He's the one who is empowering us, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that death couldn't actually hold and the one that spoke all of creation into being. He's the one who gives us authority. And I, I also think that often we can, we can let the voice of the enemy be louder to us, maybe when we think about this whole idea of being empowered, um, and we can let those lies, the things that the enemy would say to us, be a barrier to actually us taking hold of the power that God gives us. And um, you might even be he sitting here today thinking, why would actually God want me to pray for that person? Why would God use me to bring healing to that person? 
maybe even in, in the time of prophecy, like, why would God use me to bring a prophetic word? A, a constant battle for me. Why would God want me to speak this sermon? Whatever it is for you, you can kind of fill in the blanks. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a very specific time in my life um, when I was working as a solicitor. So before I started training to be a priest, I'm training to be a priest now, I was working in a solicitor. As in a solicitor? <laughs> working as a solicitor. Um, working in-house, um, which basically means I moved, I'd moved from a place where I was uh, with lots of different uh, lawyers, and I moved to work in a charity. So I was just, it was just me and this one other lawyer. And rather than me kind of basking um, in my newfound authority as, as a solicitor to just go about giving advice wherever I went, I found it super, super crippling, actually so paralyzing to be one of two people um, who was qualified to give advice in that space. Um, and I remember talking to my line manager, Will, all about this one day. I decided to just um, pour out my heart to him. And I was like, uh, Will, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I just feel like such an imposter. And um, the, uh, fundamentally, I just don't feel like a lawyer. And at that point, I remember he cut me off and really firmly, but really kind to me said, Lois, it doesn't actually matter whether you feel like a lawyer or not. The point is that you are one. You just are. End of story. And um, whatever you're waiting to feel, um, whatever you think is going to make you feel like a lawyer, it's never going to happen. So you just need to crack on. And um, I don't think he actually said crack on. <laughs> you know. um, and I remember feeling a bit like, oh my gosh, I've just poured out my heart to you about all my insecurities about my job, and you're just kind of being a bit savage. But, <laughs> but after I thought about it, I was like, wow, he's right. He's right. And, um, and I just kind of had to get on with my job and not wait to feel whatever I thought I should be feeling. Um, and I think often it can be like that with our faith and particularly with this whole thing of being empowered. And we need to learn to basically take our eyes off our own feelings or what we think we're going to feel um, when we feel ready to do the things that Jesus is calling us to do. Um, and we just need to be reminded of the fact that actually we just are empowered. Um, and I, I massively re uh, resonate with that in, in this role. So as I said, now I'm training to be a preach. And I feel like it's been an ongoing battle for me to actually just recognize that actually I have just been given the authority to do this work that God has called me to do. Um, and it doesn't matter that maybe I don't feel like I think someone who's training to be a priest should feel. I've been empowered to do it. And that's what I think um, is so helpful about the title of this sermon series, um, Encounters with Grace. Because we're reminded that all of this stuff, everything that we've been looking at, and we will look at in the future, of being loved, of being freed, of being called, of being forgiven, every single one of these things is a gift of grace. And it doesn't matter that maybe we don't feel worthy of these things. They've been given to us by our kind and gracious God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that no one in this room is worthy of being loved by God. Not you, not me. No one in this room is worthy of being forgiven by God. And for our purposes today, no one in this room is actually worthy of being empowered by God. 
but we are. It's a freely given gift. And it is indiscriminately true for every single person in this room who is in relationship with Jesus that God has given you his authority. The King of Kings has given you his authority to do the work of the kingdom. And if you don't yet know Jesus, um, I just encourage you because Jesus uh, wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to draw you into all of these incredible things um, and remind you of your, and tell you your identity in him. And part of that is the fact that you are empowered. And um, this, this applies for us in just our everyday basic life, in our families, in our workplaces, um, with the people that we meet. We get to be carriers of the kingdom of God. Um, and that's our inheritance. It's the thing that we've been freely given, that we get to play our part in God's incredible story. And just like um, I was thinking about the fact a few weeks ago, we've been talking about what it means to be loved by God. Um, and we get to, we, that is, it's part of our inheritance. It's just who we are. But we also get to continually be filled with the love of God. And I think the same is true in terms of this whole thing of being empowered. Because it is, it is just who we are. We are empowered. But we also get to continually be empowered for the things that God is calling us to do, whatever that looks like. 